Hello, everyone. This is Mike and Rita from Pagana Press. Hi. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. So we wanted to talk a little bit today about uh, what we do and why we do it, um, because some of you are probably new to uh, Pagana Press. So we've been doing this for about 10 years, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, uh, it all started really, I guess, um, for me at least, as a kid, I collected comic books, uh, like most of us did in the 70s, you know, superhero fantasy oriented kind of things, got them shipped to me in the mail, folded so that they were worth nothing 30 years later, but, uh, <laughs> but still cool. My brother stole them anyway from me and I don't know what he did with them. Uh, so after I started collecting comics, I ran into paperback books, and um, at the time, Valentine Adult Fantasy series from Lynn Carter was happening, so he was releasing all these strange um, fantasy lost tales from old uh, authors like Dunsany and Clark Ashton Smith and Lovecraft and on and on and on. So I really got into those and started collecting them. And um, through that, I read about, you know, like real books, hardback books with illustrations and numbering and all that cool stuff um, and began to think a little bit about collecting books. Didn't have much opportunity in Spokane, so uh, they didn't have that many bookstores, but uh, I thought about it a lot and made lists like we all do. And then moved to Seattle later to start uh, my career in the recording industry and walked into a bookstore one day and they had um, a huge assortment of first edition Lord Dunsany books, um, which put me in a tailspin because I'd only read about them. Uh, so I started collecting those and from there it just really spiraled into, you know, you folks know, uh, lots of books. From there, you know, I just kind of got interested in how the books were made and the differences between them, I guess, and never really thought about printing, just collecting. Uh, and later on, you know, as I uh, talked about an interest in it, uh, Rita encouraged me to um, take some classes at a local college for printing. So I did that and found that I really enjoyed the precision and, and uh, artisanship of, of setting type by hand and creating a book and actually seeing it come out the first time from a press was pretty amazing. So so I did that for a while and, uh, and then I started tinkering around with the idea of looking for a printing press that I could use and, and uh, gradually settled on a Vandercook SP-15, which was widely used as a proofing press in the newspaper industry and, and um, publishing industry. Uh, the other reason I really picked it is because it would fit through a standard door and get into our house <laughs> uh, <laughs> without like cutting a hole in the wall. So, so I ended up getting that, and um, you know, from there I decided to print uh, a very esoteric, forgotten book called Paris by Hope Merleys. I was just looking around for something to print and play with, and. Um, found out that she had written this incredible modernist poem um, in 1919 and how the typography was set up. Um, it was very unique for its day. So I decided, uh, because I didn't know any better, that I was going to um, 
reprint it uh, following the typography exactly by measuring scans and stuff, which was crazy. I'd probably never do it now, but um, that's what I did, and that started Pagana Press, really. Um, you know, from there, then I started trying to decide what the heck am I going to print next, um, and naturally, I picked uh, the things that I like to read. So, um, primarily, though, it was, you know, looking at my library and thinking, well, you know, there are some authors that I love, like Clark Ashton Smith and Lovecraft, that really never had nice editions of their books. They weren't lavishly illustrated. They didn't have cool bindings. You know, there were nice books, Arkham House and stuff like that, and I collected them, but they really didn't, in my opinion, do justice to the kind of writing. Um, it was so visual, at least in my mind, uh, and musical uh, to a degree, um, but uh, certainly visual. So I decided that uh, these would be the kind of books I would want to print, books that I would love to have in my library that uh, didn't exist. Uh, and that's kind of what started it. I picked the name Pagana Press um, because I mean, Pagana is a, is a imaginary world that Dunsany created um, from around 1900 to 1910. Um, and the first book that he published or had published, uh, apparently he had to pay for himself. And it was published by an English company called uh, Elkin Matthews. Um, but strangely enough, the imprint uh, of the publisher's name was Pagana Press, uh, and it was the only book that I know of to ever be released under that imprint. When the second edition came out, it said Elkin Matthews. So I thought, well, this is really strange, and um, why don't I take that name from my press? So that's what I did. And unbeknownst to Rita, I decided at some point that she was going to get to bind our books for us. <laughs> Um, she'd had some experience with doing stuff like that, and she's very, uh, creative and, and artistic. Um, and I figured, uh, you know, this would be a good way to, uh, work on it together. So she's been our binder now for almost 10 years, um, and, uh, really love what she does with these books. The, uh, the Lost Tales series is actually meant physically in terms of its size and structure generally to emulate the Elkin Matthews books of Dunsany's. Uh, they put out, I don't know, four or five editions, I think, over time, uniform, gray, um, with, with cloth uh, quarter-bound. Nothing special, but interesting little books. Um, so I took the dimensions and structure of that book because, you know, as a collector, I'm thinking, well, what's going to look good on the shelf uh, next to other things? Uh, so that's what I did with the Lost Tales series, and we've now done um, four of them in a uniform series with uh, another one we're working on right now. Um, they've been very popular, so uh, that was very heartening. So the Lost Tales series from Lord Dunsany, which kind of became the foundation of our press and, and the production work that we were doing. Uh, I had early on contacted the Dunsany estate because I was interested in at least initially reprinting the Charwoman Shadow in a limited edition. Um, so uh, eventually I was able to communicate with Lady Dunsany 
Um, and she was very gracious about our interest in wanting to print uh, Dunsany's work. She loves artisans and craftsmen and, and really is a patron of, of the arts. Uh, so I began to track down stories of Dunsany's, who is an incredibly prolific writer. Uh, I tracked down stories that had been published in magazines but had never been collected in any of the book editions. Uh, I found a list on the internet, strangely enough. And so I tracked down those magazines through the library and interlibrary loans and people I knew. Um, and began to collect the first volume, uh, which was um, all entirely uncollected uh, stories. Uh, and then from there, I learned that there were unpublished stories, both floating around in collections at libraries, university libraries, and a huge amount of material at the Dunsany Castle. Uh, and Lady Dunsany was very gracious and allowed us to work with uh, the archivist curator, uh, Joe Doyle, uh, to help get us material that had been unpublished um, to print. So really, I was incredibly excited about that. New, new unpublished material by Lord Dunsany, especially the caliber of it, uh, was extraordinary to find that there was so much of it. So um, that's really become the basis and the, the core of all the Lost Tales series is unpublished stories, uncollected stories um, of, the, of the highest uh, standard. Uh, and Dunsany, of course, had high standards with everything he wrote, even though he never revised it, so generally. So I just wanted to interject something here. Um, I wanted to... I'm reminded that, you know, we grew up with libraries full of books like the public library, and those books were old when when we were kids. And they were big, thick books with large print and soft pages that, you know, they'd been turned by many, many hands over decades. And, you know, that distinctive book smell, that fragrance. Um, so we... You know, it just struck me that we really had no idea what we were getting ourselves into when it came to printing books, because there's a lot more involved than just, I mean, it's not like it is today with digital printing. You know, I don't think we really understood how long it would take to set type by hand and print books by hand, you know, it takes... right. Once it became something I really focused on, then I realized that uh, setting type by hand, which is what we do, uh, is extremely slow, um, can be, um, if you want to get it right. Um, and, you know, it. you have to design the book, and I don't do any of that on a computer. I don't pick my fonts out of a digital anything. Um, I bought some really nice type uh, to use. So the work I do printing is um, much different than what most people um, have experienced in the last 30 or 40 years with the books that they have or have run into unless they already are collectors of letterpress printing. And I stress that because that's an entirely different process than um, digital printing certainly or printing from plates called offset printing or 
any variety of things. There are there are people who do letterpress printing by essentially making rubber mats that are uh, photo engraved in a sense in a process, uh, and then those are locked into a press and they get printed. But it's nothing like handset type in terms of its time. No, we so. like to do things the hard way. Right. If we <laughs> if we can find the hardest way to do something, um, that is absolutely the way we settle on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in addition to that, we re- use really nice paper that comes in large sheets, and I have to cut it down. So all the paper is cut by hand. All the type is set by hand. The letters wear out. Uh, sometimes if Dunsany is, uh, has written a story that I'm printing that has a lot of capital P's used for names like Perkins and Paulson and whatever, Pagana, um, I only have so many letters, and there are only so many available to purchase. Uh, and the letters wear out at sometimes to the point where you have to take them out of the type. Can't be used. Um, so occasionally I would run into challenges like, God, I've run out of capital P's, or I don't have enough K's to do this story. So, <laughs> so I just want to ask, and why is it that you have to take them out when they wear out? What what happens in that in that? Well, the surface of the metal um, that's the inscribed letter becomes worn and it doesn't print properly. So um, even though people, you know, we all grew up seeing typos and letters that didn't print quite right in a book, and at least for me, I just thought it was curious. Um, yeah, I think we took so, those things for granted because we saw them so often. Right. We just figured it was a part and an aspect of books. Um, but when you're doing fine press work, you know, you really want every letter to be as crisp and as and as whole as possible and, and look really good because it's, you know, it's a physical process where the, the letters are pressed into the paper uh, with ink on them, literally. So they're making an impression that uh, is highly susceptible to detail loss if the letters are, are worn out. So over time, as I began to realize that, I did start buying some more type when it was still available. Um, so I essentially, you know, managed <laughs> to get along uh, as, as we all do. Um, so the challenges of letterpress printing, I mean, certainly there are letterpress printers out there putting out books without a doubt. Um, I guess what's unique for us is that as far as I know, we're the only, uh, small press on the planet that's actually releasing supernatural and fantastic fiction, uh, as letterpress editions. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. So we've been doing this for 10 years now, um, well, Mike's been doing it longer than I have because I didn't really become the binder until maybe two years into it. And um, we've put out about 17 books. And and uh, that's because it takes me a good four to six months to actually set the type and print, say, a 40-page book. Right. So just to give you an idea, you know, sometimes people suggest, hey, why don't you print this book, which is 300 pages long. And while I'd love to do that, it would take three years, and I'd have to charge $2,000 for it. So uh, anyway, so back to... Well, actually, you know, and that's what happened with the Charwoman's Shadow, because... Exactly. I realized that it wasn't um, a project that I was ready to take on, just in in terms of the length and labor to do it, so... But 
perhaps someday, because oh, uh, we yeah, were given the, the blessing to oh, do yeah. that. So. And, and, you know, for me as a collector, um, it needs to go in with the quarter-bound vellum, what I call the white editions, uh, to match it someday. But anyway, we'll talk more about that on another podcast. So, yeah, so we've put out... 17 books and we have the 18th well underway mike is um what page are you on now with that uh, i just printed page 14 at around three thirty in the morning <laughs> last night and, yeah and that's the other thing because this is what we do and and as you know as well as some other things um and so we have our own schedule and mike is kind of a night owl but that's the other thing I wanted to talk about was that, um, you know, printing is not the only thing you do. You worked in a recording studio for many years, and um, and you have this audio background. You were in the music business. And so I think that um, maybe a lot of people don't know that you're, you do audio books as well now as um, – kind of a, a way to still um, get that fix, that audio well, fix. yeah. But so, make it, you know, make it part of Pagana Press. Well, I yeah, absolutely. I do, um, I decided fairly early on to, uh, a lot of the stories uh, in fantastic fiction to me have a, um, a musical element to them, uh, in a sense. Um, they're very lyrical, and um, they create uh, and inspire many images, and some from your musical, uh, because I have been a studio engineer for 30-plus years. So uh, I decided to kind of combine my love of literature and uh, music and recording. Um, so started doing audiobook versions of some Lord Dunsany stories, um, and um, met and started working with my partner, David Tillingcast, an uh, incredible musician, who could help me actually kind of realize uh, what I heard in my head. Uh, so we do that over on uh, Dreamer's Tales. Uh, we release audiobook content of Lord Dunsany's stories, H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, we're also doing, for me as a collector, I enjoy... Uh, also getting material out there that might be lesser known to some people. So we've been doing stories by um, lesser known fantastic authors from the day, from the classic period, uh, Vernon Holt, Vernon Knowles and uh, Kenneth Morris and some other stuff. So uh, Dreamer's Tales is on Patreon and uh, we have fun with it. We, uh, we really enjoy doing the stories. Um, so you might check that out sometime. You know, and, and I, I think Rita's point, too, was uh, I could set type 12 to 14 hours a day and probably double the output of the books that I would be doing. But uh, it's too physically demanding to do any one thing for me and focus on it as well create, creatively uh, without fatigue setting in and, and the lack of desire to want to do it. So... Well, yeah, and there's some repetitive motion syndrome that can happen yeah, when you're doing the same thing all the time. Yes, indeed. Um, so the audiobook uh, recording stuff is is a great way for me to take a break from the printing process and really have fun with sounds and, and creating textures and uh, 
just really kind of reinforcing the beauty of the stories with music and sound ambience, just like we do with printing by, you know, lavish illustrations and beautiful type and nice paper. Right. Um, so, you know, most audiobooks are just people reading the text, which is great. Um, but uh, some of this material is so evocative that uh, I think it works really well um, with some um, subtle and uh, sparse musical interludes and, and support. So. so the other thing I wanted to say was when we first started out, we tried to do some story casts. Um, and some of you may have heard one or two of them because I think that's all we did. And we tried to put them on our website or on our blog, but we didn't really have the right platform. And we were slammed for time just making books and all the things that go with that, as well as, you know, just life. So we just never really, um, you know, we, we did one or two and then we never made it go any further than that. And so um, that's kind of why we decided to kind of pick up where we left off and maybe do um, a podcast series because now we have the right platform for it and we've got, you know, we it just seems like it's a lot easier to do now. So we'd like to continue maybe um, doing this as more of a regular gig sort of maybe twice a month, um, just kind of to keep in touch and touch base, and and uh, and we'll see how it evolves. In the meantime, uh, if you want to ask us questions, because uh, we run out of things to talk about, um, if you're curious about anything that we do and why we do it, um, feel free to send us an email or uh, social media, Facebook uh, message, whatever. Well, now, we're also... Write us a letter. We're on Anchor Podcasts, and it's got voice messaging, so you can, you know, hit a little button and leave leave a, a message for us, and um, if you have a question, then, you know, and you, you'd like to have your question read on the podcast. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can certainly do that, and that would be kind of fun. But, um, you know, future episodes, I think we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. And, um, and so we kind of look forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, people like to hear about what we do, I guess, because... Um, well, more, and also the, the book industry and collecting and... Yeah, right, You right. know, we're, we're all, you know, we're all collectors at heart. So, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. we appreciate, we have an appreciation for these books. So, um, I, I know some of you may be listening now with stacks of books around you as we speak. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's all for now, I guess, from Mike and Rita at uh, Pagana Press. Um, thanks for listening. And, uh, and we really appreciate all your interest in, in supporting our book stuff that, uh, you know, we've got some wonderful customers out there that, um, are, are, um, quite special to us too. So, yes, in fact, we, we consider it, a, a kind of a tight knit community. Absolutely. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks. Cheerio. Bye. <laughs>